Today's Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 13, and can be found on pages 743 to 744 of the Church Bibles. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while you may, he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to you, our Lord, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what I sent it for. You who will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the metal will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from John chapter 6, verses 51 to 58, and can be found on page 1071 of the Church Bibles. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them, raise them up 
at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we are gathered here together as your people. You have invited us into your presence. You've promised us that you are close to all who call upon your name. We come before you as we are, with everything that gives us joy and all that burdens us, with all our thoughts, our longings, our anxieties, our hopes. We entreat you to speak to us through your word, to let us hear your voice, to touch our hearts, to help us experience your presence. Strengthen us, Lord, through your word. Equip us with all we need from you today. Comfort and encourage us through your Holy Spirit. Renew our faith so that we can go into the week ahead of us with new strength and new courage as witnesses to your love and your compassion, your living presence in our broken world. Amen. My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. I think these words from Isaiah 55 form part of the personal theology of most of us. We use these words to express the mystery of God's ways. And usually when something terrible happens and we do not know how to explain it, then we say, well, as the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. But is this really what these words mean? That God does terrible things which we just have to accept because his thinking and his ways are so different from ours? If we look at the context of Isaiah 55, in which God spoke these words, maybe we will find something quite different. Isaiah 55 starts out as an invitation, an invitation to all of us. When we first hear the words of this chapter, we may get a little bit upset or scared even. Because God addresses his people, he speaks to us as his people, speaks directly to us, and what does he say? He says, come here, listen to me, 
That sounds like an angry parent, <laughs> and it makes us feel like naughty children. What have I done now? <laughs> but if we go on to read, we, we see something completely different. God does not reprimand us. He does not make demands. He does not remind us of our guilt, of all the wrong things we've done, or of our own responsibility for the troubles we often face. No, what he does here is he confronts our deepest needs, our hunger and our thirst, our emptiness. He extends an invitation to us, an open invitation to all of us, to everyone. Every one of you, come. Have wine, have milk, enjoy rich food, all for free. Everyone. Not just the good or the favored or the faithful, everyone. You that have no money, he says, we who have nothing to offer in return, who stand before God with empty hands, without money and without price, free, not just cheap, completely free. God gives freely without expecting any contribution from our side. In these words, we hear and we experience the abundance of God's grace. Here we discover that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and that his ways are not our ways. Martin Luther points out that these words God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. These words follow directly on verse 7, which talks about God's mercy and his grace. In verse 7 we read, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon them. And then he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. So the thoughts and ways of God, which are so different from ours, are his grace and his readiness to forgive. His mercy far transcends anything we can imagine. The lengths to which he will go to save us far exceeds what we can hope for. Isaiah, he wrote these words, God's word, to the Jewish people in exile in Babylonia. After many years, many, many years, decades of exile in Babylonia, many of them had given up. They already adapted to their new situation, made themselves at home in Babylonia, gave up all thought, all expectation of ever being able to go back. Some remained faithful, but many had drifted away from God, had given up hope of ever returning to Jerusalem. But here, all are invited. Not just the few faithful ones remaining, but also the despondent, those who had forgotten God's promises, those who had given up on God, all of them are invited. 
God's thoughts are different from ours. He thinks of his intentions for the future. The goodness and bounty he still wants to give us. He does not harp on the past as we so often do in our relationships with others. He does not harp on all that went wrong before. He looks to the future. He opens up new opportunities, a new future, a new hope. And God's ways are different. He makes the impossible come true. He does what we can never expect, what totally transcends our wildest expectations. Israel, the Jews, they are stuck in Babylonia, the situation they brought upon themselves. But God promises to open a way for them to return to Jerusalem. We are stuck in our old thoughts and our old ways, but God sends His Son to die for us on a cross. God's ways, God's thoughts are higher than ours. It does not mean they are ununderstandable. It just means that they transcend our limited hopes and expectations. His thoughts, His ways are higher than ours. We live before a gracious God, not an angry and vengeful God who wants to take revenge on us for all the wrong we've done. A gracious God. This is the discovery that Martin Luther made 500 years ago. God reaches out to us as our caring and loving Father, not as an impartial judge. The basis of His relations with us is grace. Grace, because God is God and not a human being. Calvin once said, there is nothing that troubles our conscience more than when we think that God is like ourselves. Nothing that can be more uh, worrying to us than the thought that God might, after all, be like us. Our greatest fear is that we may discover that God is, after all, just the same as we are. He thinks like we do, and He acts like we do. But God Himself reminds us through the prophet Isaiah, have no fear. I am different. I am gracious. And after this open invitation to all of us, comes an appeal to all. God is gracious, but we need to respond to this grace. And here, the prophet himself chips in. If we look carefully at this chapter, it's all the words of God. God himself is speaking. But then in verse 6 and 7, there's a switch from the first person, God speaking himself, to the prophet speaking up. And the prophet interrupts the words of God to, to turn to us uh, and to encourage us to accept this gracious invitation and do so immediately. Don't miss the chance, the prophet says. You've just heard what God says. Now please react to this. Respond to this. So he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. 
Let them return to the Lord, that He may have mercy on them, and to our God, for He will abundantly pardon. Now, this is not adding a condition to God's open invitation. God says, come everybody, and the prophet says, whoa, first you have to do this and this and that and the other thing, then you can come to God. No, it is not that we first have to change our ways or thoughts. Then the Lord will have mercy and will pardon us. This is not a condition, it is the way in which we accept the gracious invitation. As long as we remain in our old patterns of thinking, our old ways of behaving, we will remain blind to God's grace. The offer is there, but we cannot see it. We cannot grasp it and make it our own. We cannot enjoy the rich food the Lord wants to provide for us, the abundance of His grace, as long as we are stuck in our human way of thinking about God. We need to open ourselves up to this invitation. We need to respond to it. We have to repent. We have to change our way of thinking. In terms of what we've read here, no longer spend money for that which is not bread. God says, why do you spend money on that which doesn't feed you? Stop spending money for which is not bread. No longer work heart for that which does not satisfy. Return to God, he says. Follow his Messiah. Follow the promised descendant of David. Seek him. Call upon him. Forsake your ways. Forsake your thoughts. Return to the Lord while he is near. Because he is near. Take the chance. Take the opportunity. What God gives is totally free. But to enjoy his gifts, we need to accept them. God's offer of his abundant love and grace is open to all. There's no exceptions. But he will not tolerate deferment. There is no later with God. Now is the time. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Turn to the Lord while he is near, says Isaiah. Seek him while he can be found. And then Isaiah comes with a promise. And once again, he lets God speak himself in the first person. God says, God promises, he will have mercy, he will abundantly pardon us. How can Isaiah be so sure? How can he be so sure that this will indeed happen? Does the call to repentance, which he just expressed, not bring an element of uncertainty into this invitation? Yes, God invites us, but what if I don't repent in time? What if I don't do this or that first? What will happen then? No. The words following on the call to repentance dispel all doubts, because God's word will not return empty. We read here, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, 
so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The word of God is powerful. It is effective. It achieves its purpose. Paul writes to the Romans, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, the word of God, is the power of God unto salvation. The word of God, which refers here in Isaiah to his gracious invitation, is like rain on dry earth. The rain works a change. After the drought, it brings forth new life. It waters the earth and makes trees and plants sprout, brings forth food for the hungry. As God's rain quenches the thirst of the earth, his gracious invitation goes out to the thirsty and does not return empty. Our thirst will be quenched. God's word of grace will lead to repentance. We will turn to the Lord and we will seek him and find him. For this is the purpose for which God sends his word. It is not empty. It always accomplishes its purpose. This is the purpose for which God sent his word become flesh, Jesus Christ. He too does not return empty. Today we celebrate communion. We think again in a special way of what the Lord has done for us. From the cross, Jesus renews the invitation of this passage. Come to me. Come eat and drink for free. Come and enjoy the salvation I prepared for you. Because Jesus suffered thirst on the cross, we no longer need to be thirsty. Through his suffering and his death, the reign of God's mercy restores our dry and parched hearts, opens up the way back to God. In Jesus we see that God's thoughts are indeed different from our thoughts, that his ways are really different from our ways. In Jesus we see that God's way is the way of mercy, the way of forgiveness, the way of abundant grace. God's word, the gospel, extends the invitation to us to accept that grace, to live by that grace. God's word transforms us, changes our thoughts and our ways, helps us to seek God and to find him. God's word does not return empty but achieves God's saving purpose. That's why we can look forward to a joyous future. For undeserving Israel, the Jews in Babylonia, there is the hope of return from exile. And it's not going to be a hard slog through the desert back home, but a going out in joy, being led back in peace, we've read here. And for us, 
there is the unconditional welcome into God's presence. Because of God's grace, the impossible can come true and will come true. The abundance of God's grace moves even nature to respond. We read here that the mountains burst into song. The trees clap hands. Useless and harmful trees make way for shady and useful trees. Thorn trees are replaced by cypress trees or juniper trees. Briars are replaced by myrtle trees. This great joy will be a memorial, a testimony to the Lord, to the miracle of His grace. In Christian life, the most important lesson to learn is that of God's grace. Not in the first place trying to understand God's grace. How can we ever understand it? But learning to live by God's grace. Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. I'm different from what you expect. I am a gracious God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you invite us into your presence unconditionally. We thank you that you want to provide for us the best. You want to slake our thirst. You want to take away our hunger. You want to satisfy us. We thank you, Lord, that you invite us also to take the signs of bread and wine to remember that in our Lord Jesus Christ, you have done all this for us. You have shown us how far you are prepared to go to win us back for yourself. Lord, help us to turn to you in our need to come to you while you are near, to enjoy the grace that you want to shower upon us. We pray that you bless us, bless us with your grace and equip us to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.